City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to the Buzzer Beaters Podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's episode, we are going to dive into the Hornets' preseason outing so far. We are recording today's episode on Wednesday, October 18th, so we will be going over the three out of the four Hornets preseason outings that we've had so far. Uh, Afterwards, we will be diving into an article on sportsillustrated.com written by Chris Mannix, where he previewed the NBA Southeast Division, gave his predictions, and what's really stood out to a lot of people is he had a little bit of a a tidbit and a blurb on LaMelo Ball that isn't sitting right with a lot of the fan base. We'll tell you what he said, uh, give our thoughts, give our reactions on that. Uh, But without further ado, I am your host for today's episode, Atticus Ferguson. And I'm your co-host, Eric Barnes. Eric, I wasn't sure if you were awake there, but um, you know. dude, I've got a do- a barking dog right now, hoping that it's not messing with the audio. So I'm trying to quiet her down a little bit, and now it's affecting my performance on the podcast. So that's never good. Um, but yeah, I'm your co-host, Eric Barnes. It's a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, well, Eric, last week I, I threw you under the bus and I got distracted. This week you're throwing the dog under the bus. I also have a dog running around here. I've got the door cracked open, so we may get even and, and <laughs> dog jumping around here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, man, how, how have you been since we last talked? It wasn't long ago. Uh, we've got some more Hornets basketball. It started it was, at, at the time of recording, we're seven days away from the regular season. So, you know, it's a little chilly outside. It's not Christmas. It's not Christmas Eve. It's just, you know. NBA regular season tip off. That's what's in the air. Eric, how are we feeling? It's right around the corner, man. And I'm, I'm stoked about it, dude, this preseason basketball. um, I've got some fantasy basketball leagues. I'm I'm getting ready to join right now. I'm super excited about that. Um, I've been playing NBA 2K a ton, bro. I'm honestly way too addicted to that game. Um, I've got too many other responsibilities in my life to play as much of that game as I do, but you know, we still find a way. Um, this past weekend, went to a wedding in Massachusetts, flew up there Friday evening, didn't get there till midnight, didn't get to the place till 3 a.m., went to the wedding that next day, had a great time, and then it was fly back the next day, and then back to work this week, so it's been run, 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 man, nonstop. Yeah, I uh, I think I saw you actually on a Snapchat story of a mutual friend of ours, and I, I won't get into it. All, all I'll say is I can confirm the fact that Eric did have a good time at this wedding from what I saw, <laughs> per reports. That's not per Shams or Woj, but that's just per my sources on the ground. So take that, that That's per Atticus Ferg. Live <laughs> report from Atticus Ferg. Hey, man, that's what weddings are for. You go to a wedding, you know, have a good time. Hopefully there's, you know, free products available, if you will. And, you know, if those free products are available, then – who am I to not enjoy those products, you know? So yeah, I will embellish in free products at any given wedding. Yeah, I, I believe Eric's talking about uh, adult beverages. He says products and keeps it vague. Yeah. It's a little concerning. For the audience, I think we're talking about adult beverages, I believe. Hey, this is a PG-rated podcast, at least for the first few minutes. It could change throughout. You never know. Right, right. Well, 
enough about us, as they say, Eric. The Charlotte Hornets have played three out of their four preseason contests, again, mm-hmm. at the time of their recording. By the time you've heard this, they will have played all four. The Charlotte Hornets won their most recent preseason outing, snapping, a, I believe it was a 10-game uh, sk- losing skid in the preseason. Eric, how are we feeling about the Hornets' three games at end to the four-game preseason? Uh, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Let me hear it. Dude, I feel good, man. I mean, I think watching this team in the preseason, um, it, it is a preseason. You don't want to take too much away from it, but it's very promising. I mean, LaMelo has looked really good. Brandon Miller looks like he fits right in, you know, no problem. Um, you know, do we know what his ceiling is going to be at this point? Obviously not, but I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be a very competent NBA player uh, from these preseason games. So, you know, that's great to see, and, and especially you want to see that after your franchise invests a second overall pick into him. Um, but more than anything, I think it's really been LaMelo's finishing that has really got me excited. Um, as much as we love LaMelo Ball around here, I mean, he does have areas of his game where he could improve, and one of them was a lot of times when he would attack the rim, it would almost be too finesse or, or, or something like that. <laughs> and um, you know when he would attack the rim, I got my dog going crazy again. Harley, give it a rest. Um, but but anyway, man, he uh, I love what I've seen. I mean, he's attacking the rim. He and he, he's going up strong. You know, in the past, it seems like he would when he would attack the rim, he would try to do some you know kind of fancy move, like which was really cool. But the reality was those attempts just weren't being finished at a very efficient rate. So to see him in this preseason going a lot stronger to the rim, if he can keep that up throughout the season and make that a consistent thing in his game, I think that unlocks a whole new level of what LaMelo Ball can be, you know, in his NBA career and ultimately what his ceiling may look like. Yeah. Like you said, he has those really creative finishes at the rim. And and when they go in, it's spectacular. It's very visually appealing, but that's been the knock on him is he hasn't finished those at a high enough clip. Um, and he does, you hit it on the head. I mean, I think that's really one of the biggest takeaways for the Hornets so far in the preseason is that LaMelo, he's attacking the rim. He's doing it confidently. He's knocking down shots. I, I do wonder, I'm sure people will speculate and LaMelo is not necessarily one to give a ton, uh, at, at the microphone. So I'm sure he won't really give us much of an answer. Uh, but I, I do wonder at the back of his mind if some of the confidence attacking the rim it, it comes from the fact that he's got these ankle braces on. You know, does is he like subconsciously or consciously less worried about you know getting injured? Uh, was this just something that he consciously wanted to add to his game going into year four? Anyways, I'm not sure what the reasoning is, but uh, all I know is in this small sample size that we've seen of him doing it, it's it's a really encouraging sign. I agree. Yeah. So I have a theory on that of like why and ankle braces could definitely be a part of it. You know, I mean, being more sure about, you know, not getting injured, that that could be a big thing mentally. But my theory on it is that Steve Clifford, we all have come to know and love Steve Clifford and how, you know, he, he's going to shoot you straight. He's not going to BS you. And I'd imagine, of course, he does the same thing with his star point guard. And, you know, from all the reports we hear is, LaMelo Ball wants to be great. You know, he really wants to be an elite player in this league. Um, Well, if that's true, I'm sure LaMelo knows this. And then having it reiterated from Cliff, he's like, hey, 
if you really want to hit the next level and not just be like, you know, a nice player, if you will, um, you've got to become more efficient in the paint. Um, as great as he is from three-point range, um, once you get into the playoffs, playoff series, just firing up threes isn't going to work. You're going to have to be able to get into the paint and navigate, um, make good decisions, and so on and so forth. And, you know, that efficiency attacking the rim, it will be a great thing and unlocking the next level of what LaMelo Ball could ultimately end up being, you know, for the Hornets and, uh, you know, for the city of Charlotte. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I, I kind of had some pros and cons of a few players written down in kind of my prep notes here. Yeah. And, and you alluded to it a little bit. You know, LaMelo, from what I'm seeing, he still is doing a little bit of the shot jacking, playing a little bit too loose uh, on both sides of the floor, but you know, particularly for the sake of this conversation. He plays a little too loose on offense at times. He puts up bad shots uh, when there's a possession to be had or, or even as a pass-first guy, sometimes there's an extra pass to be made and he puts up a, a low percentage shot. Um, so they, you know, that is something that has plagued him a little bit in his career and still does need to be cleaned up. And by no means is he a finished product there, uh, or at least hopefully at least. Otherwise, he's not going to reach his ceiling. So, you know, I don't want to totally absolve him of some of these bad habits he's had over his career, but we do see that he's working on a lot of these things uh, and working in a lot of areas to, to clean up these habits. And one of these things, obviously, is, is attacking the rim and scoring on a multitude of levels there. So it's encouraging to see. Uh, I, I do still think there's a lot of room for improvement, uh, you know, just taking making smarter decisions, taking smarter shots. But hopefully that'll come with time. We've seen a willingness to work on this game. All the reports from Clifford, you know, even when Borrego was here, assistant coaches, teammates, is that he's a hard worker. So I have no doubt that he's going to continue to improve in these areas. But I, I want to touch on some other guys. I know LaMelo obviously is going to steal the headlights and get a lot of the focus, deservingly so. A few other big names, Mark Williams, Brandon Miller, and, and for our sake, we're big JT Thor guys, and maybe I'm just going to selfishly include him, JT Thor. Eric, give me give me your brief thoughts on Mark Williams, and if you want to touch on – well, just touch on Mark Williams first, and then we'll dive into the other two guys later. Well, ultimately with big Mark, I think he's really everything we could really hope for him to be at this point. I mean – you know, we've touched on in our last show, you know, how he looked against the Heat. You know, he had, what, two blocks or maybe it was three blocks, two steals. Um, and, and he really – he's another one of those guys, kind of like I mentioned with Brandon Miller, like he's just going to make the right play. Now, is he perfect? No, he's not perfect. But for the most part, he's not going to be one of these guys that you're just watching him play and you're like, dude, that's a boneheaded decision. Like, what are you doing? He's not that kind of guy. Uh, of course, we're all human. He will make mistakes. But for the most part, he's going to end up being the anchor of this Hornets defense. He's going to protect the rim. He's going to be that last line of defense. He's going to get you easy buckets. He's going to be a lob threat for LaMelo and, and all the other guards, you know, as they're running that pick and roll. And maybe the three-point this year, maybe he isn't too far along with that. But at the minimum, he's a big that can knock down shots at the free throw line. And there's value to be had in that that a lot of times is overlooked. So, I mean, he's somebody that can stay on the floor that you don't have to pull off because, you know, he can't make a free throw at the end of the game. Um, love what I see from Big Mark. I've, I've said this in the past. Year two at Duke was when he really took a big step. And I really expect the same thing from him in his NBA career year two. I mean, he was good last year, but 
you know, you get your feet wet, you kind of get an idea of what it's like, you get more comfortable, you get more experience. And then year two, year two comes and you're ready to roll. And I remember I'm citing a tweet from months and months and months ago when the NBA playoffs were going on. Mark tweeted, man, I got to touch these playoffs. And just seeing a message like that, seeing a tweet like that can tell you like he's got that inside drive in him where he's going to do all he can to reach his ceiling and what he can do to help this team. He's going to do everything he can to help this team, you know, reach the playoffs in the first time, you know, in years. So super excited about Mark. Um, There's really not many negatives to go over. I mean, the lateral quickness, it's really not a huge issue, obviously. I mean, he's 7'2", like, what are you going to do? But overall, I mean, myself and from what I've seen from, you know, all the Hornets following online, everybody's super excited for Mark Williams. And to find anyone that's kind of down on him, I mean, I haven't really seen anyone that way since, you know, basically the Jalen Duran mark Williams debate years ago. So – Mark Williams, I think, to the moon this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to touch on that too much more because I, I think you hit it on the head there. Um, I mean, he's – like we said in the last episode, you know, we, we used to pray for times like this. This is what we've been begging for as Hornets fans for so long. I mean, he's a legitimate mm-hmm. two-way paint threat. Uh, his shot blocking and presence on the defensive end, I mean, it, it, it has a legitimate impact on the way that the Charlotte Hornets can play defense. Uh, and he can also, I mean, he can step outside and play defense too. I mean, him and yeah. Nick Richards credit him and Nick Richards both. Uh, I was listening to, or rather, I was actually reading a transcription of Steve Clifford's most recent uh, appearance on the Hoops Hype podcast. He was talking about Mark Williams a little bit. Uh, really interesting podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you know, after after you listen to our episode, go back and listen to that. But um, he he was uh, comparing him, I believe it was Tyson Chandler. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting comparison, but but you know, in that whole little blurb, he mentioned that you know he is gonna be someone who can shoot three pointers at some point. You know, I know Clifford has said at the beginning of the year is he gonna be stepping out there and knocking down a bunch? No, but at some point he is someone who's gonna be shooting three pointers. He had that thumb injury and surgery over the off season, so that hindered his progress a little bit with that. It sounds like, uh, but it does sound like that's something that they fully plan for him to add to his arsenal, and, and they're actively doing so. Um, you know, I don't know how much of an impact that's going to have this year. I'm not putting much expectations in the Mark Williams three-point shot this year. I'm sure we'll see it some. It'll be nice to watch a couple go in. But I don't I don't expect that to be a huge factor this year. And if it is, I'll be pleasantly surprised. But down the line in the future, I, I do expect that to, to be something. Well, and, and one other thing on Mark, and this is something because, you know, there's so many great things to talk about with Mark. This is something I feel like has almost been overlooked with him, um, which if – if this is something that with a lot of people, if they put on 15 pounds of muscle, you know, that would be a big topic for that player. Like, Oh my goodness. He's put on this much muscle, this much weight. Like it's going to make a huge difference. I feel like the talk hasn't been as much around that with Mark. A, it may be because he's seven, one or seven, two. So like everyone's already like, okay, this dude's humongous. Like no one's really worried about size, but you know, that functional strength, 15 pounds, man, that can make a huge difference, especially banging with those other bigs in the NBA. So that's something this year that I'll be looking for. You know, last year he was definitely a good defender, uh, but there were times with more experienced bigs he would maybe get pushed off his spot a little bit. So that's something this year I have my eye on when he's, you know, going up against the Embiid's, the Jokers, and all these other talented vet centers. 
you know, is he standing his ground? Is he holding his own? And, you know, even last year before he put on that weight, I remember us playing the Nuggets. And, you know, he actually played Nikola Jokic very well. Like, he didn't really seem outmatched, on you know, when he played him. So, Mark Williams, obviously, this podcast, Buzzer Beater, we're big, big Mark Williams fans, much like everyone else. So, like, can't wait to see him in year two. I, I'm stoked to see him. Absolutely. Well, uh, another player this fan base is very excited to see, Brandon Miller. And, and Eric, I'm going to take the lead on this real quickly, just a few things. Just to touch on a, a slight negative, but I don't think it's a legitimate concern long-term. You know, there have been times where Brandon Miller's, you know, turned the ball over, maybe yes. taken some bad shots, rushed some shots stuff, and, and, they've, and they've looked bad. You can tell there are times out there, and then I'm going to segue this into a, a positive. There are times out there where the game's not slowing down for him, and you can tell that, and that's completely fine for a rookie. Mm-hmm. But there are times mm-hmm. where the game's not slowing down for him, uh, and he's making some poor decisions, you know, turning the ball over, taking bad shots, et cetera, et cetera. However, there are times where the game is slowing down for him, conversely. And you're seeing him be that smooth operator, that Paul George type player we're talking about. Uh, you know, Steve Clifford was even saying it, you know, he takes the shot if it's there. If he doesn't, he makes the right pass. We're seeing the playmaking ability. We're seeing the shot making, the creativity. We're seeing some things on the defensive side as far as versatility there. You're you're seeing that Brandon Miller is going to be a little bit of a work in progress. He's going to be a rookie. He's not going to come into the league as a finished product like some people expect these guys to. But, man, I mean, yeah, well, there will be some speed bumps along the way, and you've seen that in the preseason. But for all their speed bumps, man, the potential is just flashing. This I can't help but think this is going to be something special. Oh, yeah. Well, with Brandon Miller, the big thing with Summer League was, you know, he's turning the ball over, he's fouling too much, and there's still you still see glimpses of those issues throughout the preseason, but for the most part, I would think mostly he's really improved on that stuff a lot, even since Summer League. And, of course, it helps, you know, he's actually playing with guys like LaMelo, guys like Terry, Gordon, PJ, you know, legitimate NBA players, so – when the talent around you is better, obviously that makes life easier for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Clifford hit the nail on the head, like where, what you referenced, and he also said he's kind of a throwback player. And I think that's such a big, big thing that, you know, a lot of people may miss because you think about the NBA today, a lot of the guys, you know, they make a insane amounts of money. So once you get that, you know, there's kind of – a mindset like you get comfortable, especially when you're the face of the franchise, you know, things can, you know, there, there's ego that comes with that is what I'm trying to say. Brandon is obviously has a lot to prove still. So he hasn't hit that point, but it just seems that he just all about the team. He wants to make the right play for the team. Um, he's the type of player, you know, I mentioned early in this podcast that, you know, I play 2k, right. The way Brandon Miller plays the game, if you're the person that plays 2K, you want to play with somebody in the wreck that plays how Brandon Miller plays. He is going to move the ball if you're open. He's going to take open shots. He's going to pass the ball. He can get to the paint. He can hit threes. He can do everything. Now, conversely, I don't know. I, I This is going to sound like a shot, but I don't mean it that way. But say somebody with like Terry Rozier, you play with him in 2K, and they're good. They score a lot of points, and that's great. However, 
you may be wide open out here, you know, on the wing and, and you're not getting a pass because, you know, they're a scorer, they're a professional scorer, they're going to go get a bucket. So not to make too many 2K references there, but that's what I'm so excited about with Brandon Miller. He just plays the game the right way. And I think in this day and age in the NBA, it is very, very rare to find players with that type of mentality that are kind of selfless and will just really do anything it takes to win a basketball game. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife in that way. And like you like to reference, as Steve Clifford likes to say, he's a little bit of a throwback player. No, I mean, you're, you're seeing it all come together for him. And, you know, again, I really just think that the biggest thing is at times the game's going to have to slow down for him. And at times it won't. And at times there's going to be those road bump, those, uh, those bumps in the road and there's going to be mm-hmm. some mistakes. But, I mean, everything you just mentioned, it, it, you're seeing it. Uh, this is what we had all envisioned and hoped for when the Hornets selected Brandon Miller at number two. Um, and, and you're seeing it come together. And we're just going to have to be patient for some of this kind of the rocky times where he's making some rookie mistakes. But, um, you know, I, I do anticipate him getting some elevated roles, some elevated playing time as maybe like a, you know, Gordon Hayward misses time, which we know he's going to to some extent, even though on the last podcast I, I predicted he'd have a relatively healthy season that's still not <laughs> playing every single game. Uh, he's already missed some time in the preseason. So right. you know, with that will be some opportunities with the uncertainty of the Miles Bridges situation. You know, is that suspension going to be extended? Is something going to happen there? Um, you know, that could potentially lay out some more opportunities uh, for playing time for different guys. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I know Rod, Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer had an article. He did a mailbag that came out this morning. And I know he mentioned that there's no chance Brandon Miller's going to start right away. It's going to be a slow thing there. Uh, and then his role could elevate kind of as the season goes. Uh, just piggybacking off that, I do think that's going to happen maybe a little quicker than we anticipate, just because I'm sure there will be some guys in this time. And, Right. I, you know, I'm obviously not reporting this or saying this for a fact, but I would have to guess the Miles Bridges situation is going to change. I'm sure the circumstances will change from how they are now, uh, you know, to the point where he's supposed to play. So, I, I, you know, or some point this season, I'm sure some additional Miles Bridges suspension or missed time could come into play. Um, <laughs> well, even say – for the sake of this argument, obviously we have no idea what's going to come from that. But let's just say the first 10 games, right? Miles Bridges obviously isn't playing. Gordon Hayward, they give him a rest game. Or, you know, he gets a little banged up. Like he just tweaks whatever it may be. Brandon Miller is going into the starting lineup. I mean, who else is it going to be? The only other person that I would say maybe would be Cody Martin, but – what did we just talk about with Brandon Miller? The way he plays the game is a throwback. He does, you know, he plays the right way. He can knock down shots. He's your number two overall pick. If if Bridges isn't available, if Gordon Hayward isn't available, whether it's injury or whatever it may be, Brandon Miller's starting. And I think from everything we've heard out of the Hornets camp, I would say, obviously, I don't think he's starting from the get-go, but I think he's going to get – 25-ish minutes a game from the jump. So I think we're going to get, you know, a a good serving of Brandon Miller from the get-go, which is great news because I know a lot of fans, especially when you have a high draft pick, you don't want to wait. I know if if there was a situation where Brandon Miller was playing 10, 15 minutes a game, it's going to be a problem online. You know, right or wrong, I mean, it's always going to be a problem. That's just how it goes. Um, but, but yeah, I, 
overall excited for Brandon. I will say the jump shooting hasn't been what you would want it to be in the preseason. I don't worry too much about that. I mean, really, because that's his calling card is shooting. Maybe it's just, you know, first time in the NBA, kind of maybe a little bit of nerves he's got going on. But ultimately, I expect that to come around. I mean, he was just too good of a shooter at Alabama for, you know, that not to come around. So if he's struggling with anything, I want it to be that, you know, not attacking the rim or handling the ball or anything like that. Yeah, my, my last thing on the on Brandon Miller so far in the preseason is kind of like I was talking about earlier uh, with him turning the ball over and taking some bad shots. Really just when the game's not slowing down for you in general, you're kind of just out of rhythm, uh, and that affects multiple things, uh, such as your, your confidence. I'm not saying Brandon Miller isn't playing with confidence, but you know that, that could impact. If your confidence isn't where it needs to be, that could impact the jump shooting a little bit. So yeah. it'll all just come with time once he gets into rhythm and gets a little bit more comfort with the NBA game. But, yeah, I mean, his calling card, you said it, you said it perfectly, his calling card shooting. If he's struggling with this shot a little bit, uh, I'm not worried. That's not something that the Hornets are going to have to reinvent. That's just something that's going to come with him getting comfortable at playing at the next level. But No doubt. That being said, I mean, the last player I really want to touch on for a second here, and, and when we're done with this, if there's anyone else you want to touch on or anything in general, Eric, feel free. Uh, it's JT Thor. I'll, I'll lead on this again just because I got a couple quick thoughts. Yeah. Um, JT Thor definitely has not been defending – at the level in which we've seen him be capable of doing. Um, I don't know if it's a – it's certainly not ideal. I don't know how big of a concern it is because we've seen him you know, be capable of being an effective NBA defender. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's something to monitor as we go. But I have no doubt that JT Thor and Steve Clifford are, are going to get working on that. But um, that's something to keep an eye on. Positives. The, the reports of JT Thor's jump shot uh, are substantiated. That's a real thing, Eric. That jump shot's looking great. I mean, he's really got a, a chance to be a really, really impressive 3 and D player in this league for a long time. And, and not only that, but, you know, with that three-point shot being effective, now guys are closing out on him harder. And you're seeing him, you know, drive in the paint and take it to the rim, you know, take a mid-range shot. Or, you know, at that point, someone else may close out on him and he's making the right pass. Uh, you're noticing that. And I, I also remember reading another article from Rod Boone at the Charlotte Observer talking to JT Thor. And he was explaining just that, that that is one of his goals is, you know, to be able to make those shots. But also, you know, that opens up a lot more on the offense mm-hmm. the, the for him is because then, you know, again, just like I said, guys are closing out. He has other options that we can do. Uh, that opens up got things for other guys on the floor where he can make the right play there. It's kind of similar to the Brandon Miller thing a little bit. Is it's really it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. No, I mean that's just kind of my quick thoughts there. You have anything to add on JT Thor? Yeah, I mean, and that's really what I was gonna lead with. It's very similar to Brandon Miller. You know, if he's struggling with anything, you want him to be struggling with what's considered his strength because you know, over larger sample size that's really going to come together. You're not really worried about that. When you What you're looking for flashes, especially in these preseason games, from especially these young guys, you want to see improvement on things that they haven't been so great at in the past. So seeing the jump shot fall for JT Thor is very promising. I think defensively, you know, big picture, he's going to be fine. Obviously, he's had some mishaps in preseason. But, again, it's another one of those things. When JT Thor goes in there, a lot of times he's playing with second – even sometimes third unit guys. So like 
when you're playing around guys that don't match the talent or skill level of your starters, you know, ultimately that affects, you know, how much responsibility and how much pressure is put on you as, you know, someone that's deemed as, you know, one of the better players on the floor. So JT Thor, I mean, for him this year, I think a productive year, if he can carve out 15, 20 minutes a game, just, you know, take an open shot when he hits it and hit it, say, at a 30 four five percent rate and play good defense i mean he's a nice player to have on your bench a long player can hit shots and and play defense i mean he's always had the length he's always had a beautiful shot it's just about getting more comfortable getting less mechanical with the shot and just letting it fly a little bit at least that's been my kind of read on it with jt thor um and he's he's insanely young like he's so young um i knew when he was drafted he was still 18 so he I don't have it in front of me right now, but I want to say he can't be a day over 20 years old. Well, not a day, but he can't be. I really don't think he's of legal drinking age at this point. Yeah, no. I mean, with JT, and this is kind of my finishing thoughts on it, uh, and, and you may have something else to add on top of this after, which is fine. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't look at him to be an every night big-time right. contributor uh, as far as points scored on the game and game-out basis. I kind of look at it similar to PJ, and I'm not saying he's the scorer that PJ is by any means, uh, in terms of you know the multitude of ways PJ can score and, and the efficiency and the, the high level he can do it on a consistent basis. But kind of like you know PJ, one of the knocks is his inconsistency uh, on the offensive side of the ball. JT Thor, he's going to have some nights where he's lighting it up and he's hot in the corner and catching and shooting, and you know maybe has a three of five night, you know with you know. 12 points from three, 14 points overall or something. But he's going to have some nights where he's one of five from three, uh, and he's not so efficient. But, again, ha- the, the the nights that he shoots the ball well, the pros outweigh the cons on that end. But also from the standpoint of, again, even if he has a one for five night, the fact that the defense has to game plan for him being out there and being able to catch and shoot, they have to close out on him to where he can, you know, again, it opens up his game to drive in, to kick it out to someone else who's open. Just the fact that that's something that the defense has to respect still opens up so much for this offense. Even on the nights where he's not hot, it's still a massive plus that that's something that has to be respected in the game plan. Yeah, it's all about spacing, right? It's not that JT Thor has to be a 40% shooter from three. They just got to – the defense just needs to respect him while he's standing out there on the arc, you know. So you don't want a Ben Simmons situation where they're just sagging off you know, down to the free throw line and everything gets congested and it gets a lot harder to score. So JT Thor, like what I've seen, uh, hopefully just continues to build on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before we jump into the Chris Mannix piece on sportsillustrated.com, I want to tell you about allhornets.com. This podcast is brought to you by allhornets.com, a credentialed Charlotte Hornets outlet powered by none other than Sports Illustrated. AllHornets.com's aim is to bring you 360 degrees coverage on all things Charlotte Hornets. From breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis, AllHornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Eric, Chris Mannix has a lot of people in the Southeast, specifically (laughs) in North Carolina, upset with his latest piece on the Charlotte Hornets for this upcoming season. So, 
If you haven't read the article, I encourage you to go read it in full. We're going to focus more specifically on what he said about LaMelo Ball, however, because that's what's grabbing headlines. And uh, you know, we don't have all day. We're on a little bit of a time constraint here. So I want to touch on specifically what he read about, what he said about LaMelo Ball. Quickly, I'm going to read what he said because I know some listeners maybe haven't seen this or by the time they're listening, maybe they don't remember exactly what was said. So I'll read it real quick. This is from Chris Mannix at SI. LaMelo Ball is a guy that will probably flame out. I just don't think he does enough all around. I actually don't think he's super dynamic offensively. I think he's just super dazzling. He's super dazzling. He's a dude with the best costume. He's just all dazzle, and he's not that dynamic. Can he shoot it really well from three? I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty good and crafty in the pick and roll. He's not strong at all, so he gets pushed around. He can't defend anyone. I don't see it. I don't see it besides the cool passes. Whew. Um, all right, Eric, I tried not to get triggered. I think I did a good job there. Let me open it up to you. What, what do you think when you hear that, when you read that from Chris Mannix? Our, our, our buddy, our Sports Illustrated brethren, Chris Mannix, what do you have to say about that? You know, there were certain spots in there where if you if it's less of kind of like a hot take type of approach to how he said it and more of like a objective basketball conversation – he has some points in there. It's just the way he said it just felt so like, eh, he's not good. And where it's where it really shows that is where he says, can he shoot? Eh, I don't know. That just tells you he's That's trying to thing. troll. Like he's just trying to get a reaction out of people because he can obviously shoot the three, which funny enough, that was a big, like, can he shoot coming out of the draft? But it turns out he's one of the best shooters, especially deep shooters in the league, he can obviously shoot. And in the NBA, what's the biggest skill you would need in today's NBA? Me personally, I would say shooting the three. Um, does Lamelo have a lot to work on? Absolutely, but so does every other, you know, third year, 21 year old, 22 year old in the league. I mean, the reality is, is that most NBA players aren't gonna hit their prime until 25, 26, 27. So to say these things about a LaMelo ball who can't even get a rental car after flying on an airport is just ridiculous. Um, it, it's one of those things that if, if LaMelo's look, game looks the same in three or four years, then yes, these things will make more sense and will add up. But considering he's as young as he is, if you don't give him a chance to actually show those things and grow those things – then to me, it's just kind of reaching for interactions and looking to get a reaction out of fan bases and, and different things like that. Yeah, look, I, I hate to take one point and say your one point here is wrong or isn't strong, so that defeats your whole argument. But I, I feel like this is one of the rare cases where I can't do that. It's exactly what you pointed out. The fact that he said, can you shoot the three-point ball well, I don't know. Of feels like something feels like that's something you should know like well it's either yes or no can yeah maybe he wasn't being sarcastic maybe he literally did not i can respect that he, <laughs> well, i honestly didn't have time to go on stat news before I, I wrote this article so i don't know luckily eric i did have time to go on stat news before this <laughs> according to stat news lamella ball career three point three point percentage do you want to guess what it is um, I would guess that it is 37.8%. Just 
Jesus. All right. They're, they're going to think you were cheating. It's 37.7%. So that was <laughs> – I was like, there's no way he says 0.7. They were going to have to just cut this part because no one's going to believe it. That was a great guess. 37.7% from beyond the arc. Eric, this is also someone who one of our biggest criticisms and a fair criticism is that he shot Jacks. Imagine yes. if he took yes. more fish out of more yes. shot selection. To yes. say you don't know if he's able to shoot the three-point ball well, what what are we talking about? Also, there was another uh, there was another statistical graphic that was floating around the interweb recently. Uh, that that a lot of Hornets Twitter found very appealing, a lot of Lamelo stands found to be very appealing. Lamelo Ball, his point differential is plus five point seven. That's tied with a little guy, you know, a little someone named LeBron James. That's ahead of Giannis, who's at plus five point six, and ahead of Paul George, who's at plus five point five. Now, look, I'm willing to give you that. That's a little bit slanted. Because uh, and this was this was uh, this was going just off of last year, not for a career or anything like that. Right. This was just based right. off last season. There were a lot of things that could impact that with the Hornets more than they did for those other teams those other guys played on. So it could be a little bit skewed. But when you're tied with LeBron in a category like that, I mean, that that says a lot, man. I I feel like this is cut from the same cloth, even though he didn't say this specifically, I feel like this argument's cut from the same cloth that a lot of people have with this lazy narrative that I strongly disagree with that LaMelo Ball isn't a quote-unquote winning player. And it's it's just nonsense. I just don't get it. I mean, he was already the best player at age 20 on a three-win team two years ago. At age 20, in his second year in the league. Like, this stuff, I just I, – I, I get – I mean, I don't get it, but I do. These people probably aren't watching much Hornets basketball. I get it. You have to cover every team in the league. You're not watching a lot of Charlotte Hornets, especially last season on NBA League Pass. I get it. But come on, man. Like, you can – let's clean up the simple stuff. Like, we're unsure about LaMelo Ball's three-point shooting ability. Like, that's just – that's brutal, man. Yeah, not good. Well, and you know what I think it is? I think it's a combination of LeVar Ball, kind of how the Ball family was introduced to the world. So – you know, a lot of people kind of have, you know, assumptions or whatever it may be about him. And then you have LaMelo. It's kind of an eccentric personality. Like he like he says, he's one of one. And that's very true. Like the way he acts, the way he carries himself. Um, it's, it, it's, let's just say it's not like Kobe Bryant where like everything is business, you know. So it there's that. There's LeVar. And then there's the Hornets aspect where. It feels like a lot of national media that cover the sport. I mean, anytime we talked about sport, you bring up the Hornets, and there's just seems like they kind of laugh and then move on. So, and have the Hornets deserved that over the years? I mean, sure, but they're just more to, you know, this story and Lamelo than as simple as well. I mean, he shoots threes, he makes flashy passes, but doesn't do anything else. Now, I will say, Chris is right about. Look, he's got to get better defensively and, and different things like that. They, although it was the way he said it was a little bit aggressive, there is like small hints of validity in it that LaMelo does have to continue to work on if he truly does want to move into the echelon of superstar in the league or, you know, really a guy that changes your entire franchise. Um, but look, he's going to be 22 years old this season. Um, he's still incredibly young for the NBA. 
the team around him is really just starting to add talent around him and pieces that fit together. So to me, I've been excited for Hornets basketball the last few years, but this is the first year where I've really been like, okay, we've got, you know, our center, we've got to do it all wing. We've got a point guard. We've got some vets. We've got, you know, some core pieces that can help everywhere. Like PJ, this is the first year where I really think the Hornets need to make the playoffs where it's something that I kind of expect if, you know, if LaMelo really does want to move into that superstar territory, right? So, to me, I'm just holding out all these criticisms with LaMelo that, you know, some of them maybe I kind of share with Chris, but he's just too young to legitimately ridicule him in that way. Like, you've got to give him a runway. You've got to give him time. If he doesn't show improvement, then sure, maybe some of that stuff's true. But at this point, he's too young, and he hasn't played on good enough teams for those to just be – the verdict on the mellow ball. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I had it in my notes here too. Like he, he does make some valid points with defense. And I know we touched on it earlier. Lamelo defensively has done some really nice things in preseason, but Hey, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think the, the, I, I definitely think you can say the jury's still out. I don't think we're ready to crown the mellow ball as a, as a plus right. defensive player yet after three preseason games where you shun flashes. Like that's, that's a fair and perfectly fine criticism. If you want to levy that against the mellow, but to, to almost insinuate, and this is how I took it at least, almost insinuate that he can't become one. Right. Just, I mean, lack of a better term, and to be nice, pre- premature. Uh, that's just, I, I don't agree with casting him off that early when he has a, a coach who's, you know, kind of known to be a point guard whisperer, a defensive first guy, and LaMelo, uh, a guy who everyone touts his work ethic. Uh, and even in the past has shown, you know, a willingness to play on defense, albeit, you know, while having some, some bad habits, <clears throat> developing some bad tendencies on that side of the floor. I don't know. This, this just, yeah, that, that part definitely rubbed me the wrong way. Um, there are definitely, there's de- Lamelo's not a finished product. There's plenty he's got to get better on. You know, he's got to take, uh, you know, he's got to get more efficient shots up. The shot jacking's a problem. The defense, you know, is not a product yet, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of talking in circles at this point. I, I, I can't remember if there's anything else I really wanted to bring up about that, but that, that was really my biggest takeaway on it. I think you nailed it on the head with everything you said there. It's just, yeah, that was that was a lot. And uh, and I, I like I like what you said too, circling back to it now I think about it, about Lamelo. you know, he hasn't played on the greatest of teams, you know? And the, the one team, the, the best team he was on, the 43-win team, he was an all-star. One time he was on a good team. And then that was a team without what a lot of people considered a legitimate starting NBA center. Now you have Mark, you have a Nick Richards who has continually got better since he's been in Charlotte. So look, man, this year, all the pieces that LaMelo has this year, he has never had this much talent on his team before in the NBA. So it's going to be exciting to watch, man. I, and we're close, man. We're what today's the what? I don't even know what date is the 18th, 19th. Today's the 18th. The season starts the 24th. Um, so we're about a week away, man. Before, yeah. before all Eric, this, you're this is, you know, we're not talking about it. It becomes so, you know, coming to a TV screen near you soon, or I mean, well, that, that's a totally different conversation. But point is basketball. Is coming back soon, and we should all be thrilled about it. Yeah, and and just 
just to clarify, the yeah, 18th now, the 25th is a week from now, that'll be Hornets opening night there. Uh, don't set your DVRs to the 24th, like Eric said. Otherwise, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be watching like whatever's on Valley, like one of those fishing shows or something. They have on until airtime. Right. Uh, unless you're into well, that, I do think, that too. I think the uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the BAC starts the 24th. The Hornets play the 25th. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Definitely. All right. Well, Eric, that's about all I've got today. Uh, one one more, you know, spur of the moment thing I do want to point out. The Hornets have that open roster spot. And uh, Rod Boone was discussing that in his mailbag today, this morning that I was reading. And, you know, they were, he was saying once guys are cut, the Hornets may look to add somebody, but Mitch Kupchak typically likes to have an open roster spot for roster flexibility. Something I've seen thrown out there and that I'm a fan of, and if they want to wait to, to see who all is cut to see, you know, what their pick and order is, that's fine. Someone I'd be very much in favor of bringing back, and I apologize for just throwing, on the, throwing this on you last minute, but it just kind of popped in my head. Bismack Biombo. Bismack Biombo is someone that, you know, he really took LaMelo under his wing, LaMelo's rookie season. They both got along really well. You know, the Hornets put out those real access videos where they give you kind of behind the scenes look on the team. They'd always be goofing around. There's that one video of uh, Biz and like LaMelo chasing each other. They got along really well. I mean, I, I think it's always a good move to have a good locker room guy, a vet, someone who's just a great person on and off the court like Bismack Biombo. Wouldn't hurt the Hornets to have one of those. I'll just kind of leave that at that. Um, but also, not that it's a total pander move to LaMelo, but anytime you can kind of pander to your superstar a little bit, especially when you're in a small market, probably want to take a chance to do that. So I'm going to try to further the bring back the biz. Bring back the biz movement. Eric, what do you think? <laughs> Look, man, I wouldn't be opposed to having Bismack Biombo on the roster, but I think if you have Mark now, you have Nick, in theory – Unless you have injuries, you, you won't really need him on the court. There is part of me that thinks the Lamelo Bismack thing was overstated, but that's kind of just a theory. Like I have nothing to back that up. I, but my theory is like you know that clip. Everyone saw that clip, and then it kind of took on a life of its own on on X and, and Twitter, and it kind of just snowballed. And everyone's like, Lamelo loves Bismack, and you know that may be the case. Um, and as far as the 15th roster spot, look, I'm ready to go. Now, do I think he's a huge difference maker? Do I think he's any more of a vet leader than what a Gordon Hayward is or even a Terry Rozier? I mean, sure, he has a different dynamic, but I don't think he's this veteran leader like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Hornets fans that are dying to get in the building, like, say, a Jimmy Butler. And now, obviously, that's kind of the height of it. Um, but long story short, would I like to have Bismack? Yeah, sure. Am I going to be mad if they don't sign Bismack and he's a free agent and he signs with another NBA team? No, I don't. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference. I don't think it's a real big needle mover, and, and that, that's just kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah, certainly not going to be losing sleep about it one way or another. But I, I think yeah. it would be a nice piece for the Hornets to add for that 15th yeah. on the bench there. And, and to your point, like if. It, it's your last roster spot. I mean, that's a good guy to have on your roster. So, I mean, would definitely love to have him, you know, in that role. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, and I know we have to go here soon, but, you know, that Austin Rivers spiel he had about surrounding the mellow ball around, like, the right type of people and good people. Yeah. And I, I hate to give Austin Rivers any credit, um, you know, as, as a, someone who loves to hate on Duke guys. But, um, 
you know, it kind of goes back to that. You know, you get Bismack Biombo, who's a good leader on the court and a phenomenal person, a good influence. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, if, if there, I, I know a lot of Hornets fans probably don't want to think about him playing significant minutes on the court, but if there is an injury to like a Nick Richards or a foul trouble situation, Bismack can be serviceable in small moments when you need to insert him. Like he can play NBA basketball. Um, so, you know, if, if, as far as 15th man on the bench goes, you know, production-wise, <laughs> I you, get it. Could do, you could do worse than Bismarck Biombo. I know some people are going to hate me for that, but you could do worse. But that's obviously not the, the main reason why I'm advocating for the Hornets to bring him on the roster again. You mean you don't want to sign LiAngelo Ball to the 15th roster spot, Atticus? <laughs> well, if it's between him or Biz, I don't, let me sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that can be pandering to your superstar, LaMelo. No. Well, I think that's what they're already doing by having him in Greensboro, but that's a, that's <laughs> right, another right, conversation right. for another day. Eric, no doubt. Appreciate the time today, man. Uh, this was fun. I look forward to doing it next week. Geez, next time you hear our beautiful voices, Eric, the Hornets will have played real, meaningful NBA basketball games. It almost brings a tear to my eye. If we stay on longer, I'm going to get choked up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let us end on that. Um, but yeah, I appreciate everyone listening today. As always, if you have not already, please go follow us on the app formerly known as Twitter, currently known as X, at A underscore Hornets underscore pod. Give us a follow there. We would greatly appreciate that. And we might even follow back, depending on if we're in a good mood. (laughs) Eric, thanks again. Talk to you later. Yep. Yep. We'll see you next time.